Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Ah, yes, April, you're right around the corner, my friend. And that means for us here in the U.S., it's tax filing time. Not to worry, though, I am bringing you my yearly episode about taxes to help you get prepared and ask all your burning tax questions. And on this episode, Milton Rodriguez, a millennial tax expert himself, is joining us to break it all down. You're listening to Millennial Money with award-winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Come to Game, where we flip the script on the old-school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week, Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick. Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna, money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado. We've all spent more time with family lately. It can feel like old times, but your mind is on the future too, and what you can do to shape it. At Sandy Spring Bank, we work with clients to help them grow and protect their money with wealth management, trust services, and insurance so they can enjoy today and ultimately pass along their wealth. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your dreams. Visit sandyspringbank.com wealth. 
Wealth and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed, and may lose value. True story. Our guest today, Milton, is actually a former student of mine. I had him in one of my advanced financial planning courses that I taught, and he was, of course, a shining star student. And I was really lucky enough to mentor him and, and really watch his career soar over the last few years. Since he was in my class, he has gone on to become not only a certified financial planner, also an enrolled agent, and is a student in the Master's of Science of Taxation program at Cal State University, Northridge. So let's just say he's not a slacker. So he knows his tax stuff. And thank God, because tax really just makes my head spin. We had so many listener questions around taxes this year, so I dug them all out to ask Milton to help us please figure this all out. So we talked about how to know if you should file online or hire an accountant, the recent tax law changes and what that means to you, differences between deductions and tax credits, how to handle your taxes as an entrepreneur, and what to do if you make a mistake on your taxes, hint, it's absolutely not the end of the world, and so much more. So grab your favorite beverage, get in some comfy clothes, and let's talk taxes. I want to share like a little backstory before we go into this episode. Of course, we're talking about taxes, and it's going to be our job to try and make taxes a fun topic <laughs> to yeah, talk about today. <laughs> yes, but you were actually a student in one of my classes a few years ago, and you were obviously a star student, but you have gone on to get your CFP as well and really found this love for for taxes and that this is kind of your niche. And I think it's so cool when I get to have someone on the show that I've actually seen your evolution. And uh, I just think that brings like, so, it just makes it so much more interesting for me to to do an episode from that kind of perspective. Yeah, no, it's... Um... It's been a couple of years. That's right. And I was a student of yours. And around that time is when I really got into taxation, believe it or not. I think it was the same semester that you were a professor. And it was, it's a weird thing. It's been a crazy journey from going from one end of doing something to a whole other side. And somehow I fell in love with tax and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> That's not a statement that people say very often. So when I find the people that really like love tax and are really good at it, you know, th those are the people you want to pick the brains of. Yeah, I can't say it. That's wrong at all. That's right. And I just want to kind of start out because we do a tax year, every, tax episode every, every year. And obviously there's been a lot of changes. There's been a lot of friction for a lot of people with with the tax changes but i wanted to back it up just a little bit and and talk about there are lots of different myths around taxes and i was wondering if if there are any of the, the kind of biggest myths around taxes that maybe we could burst some of those bubbles do any does anything come to mind you know i think one of the major things i've come across more often than not is there's really a lack of understanding out there between what is deductible on a personal level versus what isn't deductible, right? Sometimes right. I've had people say, oh, I pay all this in credit card interest. I've heard this is deductible, but that's not exactly true. There are certain types of interest that can be deductible uh, and others can't. Unfortunately, personal debt is not often the case. But um, I would say no, it's just there, there are things out there that, again, people may hear from a friend, oh, I got to do this because this is what I've heard is okay. And 
every situation is really different. I, and I get this a lot throughout the tax season, right? I get a lot of questions of, oh, I've heard I can do this, or I've heard I can do that. But everyone's situation, even though tax is very, not simple, but it's something we all have to go through. Every person's situation is a little bit different. Um, and so I wouldn't say that, you know, just because your neighbor was able to do something, you can do the same thing. For sure, for sure. So I guess that kind of like begs the next question that I get a lot from listeners is when do you know if you are, say, one of those online software, I won't give any names type mm -hmm. person, or whether you're somebody who you should bite the bullet, hire an accountant, a CPA, whatever that may be to help you out with your taxes. Is there any threshold or any advice you can give? Like, how do you figure that? And, and can that actually change year to year? I would say, yeah, it can definitely change year to year. When I first started, you know, working as an employee and I got my first paycheck, it was just regular W-2, nothing special. And I could go to these online providers. Um, you know, even the IRS has an amazing free filing tool on their website. But when you're really just starting out, when you're just kind of a, a very simple situation, you're an employee, you got a W-2, maybe you have an interest form, there's a lot of tools out there that don't charge the premium that going to an accountant or going to an enrolled agent may charge. Um, and they're also very convenient too. Uh, you know, some of these online providers sure. have software you can work at at home from your phone, and they're very simple to use. They're easy to navigate, and they give you just what you need. But year to year, things can happen, right? Not every year is the same for every person. Um, what if you bought a house, right? There are some things that you may want to ask questions about. That sure, maybe you can find some research online, but. You know, when you type something in on Google, you get hundreds of pages and <laughs> so many links. And it may take you a while just to find that one right answer you're looking for, even if that's the right answer. And so there are times when I, I highly recommend, yeah, if, if, for example, starting a business or selling a home or looking for a rental property or, you know, you want to go and ask these questions so that you don't make mistakes. Because trust me, I've seen people make mistakes and it's, it's much harder to fix than it is if you had just spent the time to speak with someone. Right. So it's sort of those life stages you might go through, maybe getting married or getting divorced or having a baby, starting a business, yeah. like those sorts of things might be the years that you actually want to reach out and get help just to make sure that you're not um, not getting deductions that maybe you could or just to make sure that everything's set up the, the proper way. Oh, absolutely. And there are so many things that come up, right? Having a baby is a perfect example. If you have to pay certain costs, um, daycare costs at, at a certain age, um, if you have to hire a nanny or, or even understanding how the child tax credit works, for example, right? Or what is a dependent? Because until you have someone that you're providing care for, you may have never claimed a dependent on your tax return. You don't know the rules around that, right? So there are definitely certain times, like you said, stages in life when a major event happens that maybe it really does help to go out and look for someone just to bounce some ideas off and ask questions. And you said, uh, use the language accountant or enrolled agent. Tell me the difference between, because we see a lot of like CPA, accountant, enrolled agent. What are the differences between that vocabulary there? 
Oh, yeah. So an accountant is basically a CPA, right? Everyone kind of uses those terms interchangeably. A certified public accountant is someone who's gone out and done the exams and registered with the state uh, and really has a knowledge on financial statements and really has a knowledge on doing audits for, for corporations or but it's it's sometimes a little bit different. There are accountants that don't do tax and then there are accountants that do do tax. So it's very broad, right? Mm, for yeah. example, very similar to like being a CFP. There are certain areas that you like to really specialize in, certain that maybe you don't, right? Right. And an enrolled agent is someone who has taken, again, exams, but these exams are actually administered by the IRS and it's a credential that's provided by the IRS, by the Internal Revenue Service, and it's only income tax, nothing else. It's not looking at financial statements. It's not looking at special rules when it comes to preparing uh, certain journals or, or bookkeeping, where an accountant might actually have experience and knowledge going into those areas. But now an enrolled agent is basically strictly tax, uh, and a CPA, an accountant, can specialize in tax, but doesn't necessarily always have to be the case. Interesting. I actually never knew that. That's actually really interesting to break that down because of course, yeah. you do see a lot of the different vocabulary out there. And I know that a lot of people get confused of like, wait a minute, am I supposed to hire this person or this person or this person? And they just don't know which which way to go with that. Right, right. And one of the major things that I'm a huge stickler for is going and looking for someone who's a professional, someone who has a designation. Um, I've always thought, you know what, if, if someone's willing to really focus on a certain uh, profession and they have a designation for it, then that speaks volumes in itself. Mm, that's such a good point. Yeah, yeah. Um, another thing that comes up a lot is the the tax reform that happened. And I know for a lot of people, I, I got a listener question, for example, that was talking about, can I explain tax withholding and the new form and and they kind of got sucked into the wrong way last year and ended up having to pay more money than than they thought they were going to have to. Mm -hmm. So can you just walk through a little bit like what happened in the tax reform and maybe what are some of those things that we should we should know as millennials or as consumers um, that will help us plan for this year and maybe the the future years? Sure, definitely. So Tax reform was a huge thing. And I think the season of when everything went into effect was the busiest season and the craziest season I've seen so far. <laughs> I started doing income tax, I would say, two years before reform. And then now that reform's been hit, that season where all the new laws went into effect, so many more conversations were going on with clients because clients whether it was for the better or for the worse, at the end of the year, it was such a busy time. Um, and some of the things that changed, really, for example, withholding that, that you mentioned, sure. one of those areas is that I noticed in that season, clients were usually getting smaller refunds that they might have been getting the year before. And that's largely due to withholding, right? So if you're an employee, when you first sign up with an employer, you have to go through all this onboarding HR paperwork, right? Mm -hmm. You have to go fill out a W-4. And what the W-4 is, it's a form that 
informs your employer how much you want to have withheld from your paychecks. And for the longest period of time, the rates and tables were very just static. Nothing really changed. But what the reform did was it provided the employees to be given a little bit more money throughout the year in their paycheck because less was being taken out for income tax. But at the end of the year, that means that you're also not getting a huge refund or you might be kind of teetering on the edge of owing a little bit of money. Mm, And that was a conversation that I had so many times with clients. It was, and it's painful because I don't think a lot of employers provided this information to their employees or at least the payroll providers, payroll departments did. So going through that with clients was, was a little challenging because again, the last time there was a tax reform this big, I want to say was in the 80s. And I wasn't even around back then doing all this stuff. <laughs> but that was the last major reform. And up until now, things were largely left untouched. You know, here and there, things changed. But yeah, it was it was huge. And, and clients who had balances owed, it was, it was tough. It was tough. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding? Or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical. If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because, let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this, they release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. 
And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Whatever you're saving up for, a CD from Sandy Spring Bank lets you grow your savings at a guaranteed rate. Right now, earn interest at 4.5% APY on an 8-month CD special or 4.25% APY on a 14-month CD special. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com slash cdspecials. Minimum opening deposit to earn the annual percentage yield is $500 for the 8-month CD special and $2,500 for the 14-month CD special. Member FDIC. It's Tuesday, and that means we've got another Ask Shauna. And this one comes from Lacey. And Lacey says, Hi, Shauna. I am a millennial money super fan, if that's even a thing. I love listening to your show on my way to work. And I admit, I've listened to episodes over and over and over again because you're just so dang relatable and the stuff is good. Okay, so I have to ask you about all this coronavirus stuff and traveling. 
I'm going to be traveling in July to Florida, and I never thought about buying travel insurance before, but we're going to be spending around $3,500 on the trip because, you know, Disney World is not cheap. And I'm thinking maybe I should think twice about travel insurance. What do I need to know? Do you buy travel insurance yourself? Any information you can give Shauna will be much appreciated. Lacey, I think you might be my first super fan, so welcome to the club. It's a small club, apparently, and I'll make sure to get your membership card out ASAP. Just kidding. Just kidding. There's no super fan club. Yes, so coronavirus. I am sure no matter where you're listening to this episode right now, you have heard about the coronavirus. Hopefully, you've not been affected by the coronavirus. But I know that you probably have a strong feeling maybe one way or another about the virus. I personally am, I don't know how to say this, where it will come out the way I really want it to come out, but I totally believe the coronavirus is a thing. It's a very real virus, and uh, these sorts of epidemics, pandemics, whatever you want to call them, are deadly and A lot of people lose their life and a lot of bad things happen. But I think there's also this fear component that has really jarred us all. And we're all so scared to do anything, which I don't think is the way we should live life either. And I have done a ton of research because I lost my hearing, which most of you know, in my left ear, suddenly in 2018, I'm deaf in my left ear. And so I have been studying viruses and vaccines and the stuff we put in our bodies So it bears repeating. Of course, you've probably heard this everywhere, but just wash your dang hands. Wash your hands. Wash your hands for 20 seconds. Ladies, get under the fingernails. Just wash, wash, wash. And I know you hear it everywhere, but we should do this anyway, right? (laughs) I was, was never one of those people until I lost my hearing. And it sort of was that like wake up call aha moment for me. Like, oh crap, bad things can happen. So I started carrying disinfectant wipes with me every time I would travel, and I became one of those people that wiped down my seat, wiped down the armrests, wiped down the tray table. Oh, yes, the tray table, the screen, that anything where someone is like putting their fingers on near you, I really try to wipe it down because I don't think it can hurt. And I've done it religiously now since 2018, and I'm happy to report that I have not gotten sick on any of the trips since 2018, which is is kind of a miracle for me. So um, just let's just let's just all wash our hands, right? Okay, let's get back to the question. So I am actually a big fan of travel insurance. I usually only buy it when we travel outside of the United States, but I think it definitely makes sense, especially now when you're traveling in the U.S., because as this has shown, there are things that can happen. And I mean, I didn't expect us to be sitting here in March and to see South by Southwest Festival be canceled. All of these different events be canceled. Uh, People talking about doing basketball, March Madness events without the crowd there. I just, I never expected that would happen. So a couple of things I think you should think about. One, most conventional travel insurance policies will not let you get out of a trip for the coronavirus. Uh, It doesn't matter how serious the coronavirus is, even if you have the coronavirus, uh, most likely they will not let you out. Now, I will say if you do come down with some sort of virus or something, get a letter from your doctor. 
and send it to the travel insurance company. Really make a case for yourself. Don't just accept no for the answer. If you've already bought your travel insurance, though, this is just a reminder. You must, must, must read the fine print. In fact, read the fine print always when you're spending money on anything like that, whether it's a life insurance policy or a renter's insurance policy or traveler's insurance. Just make sure that you know what the exclusions are. Those are the things that are really important. So, Lacey, if you haven't bought travel insurance The only way right now you would be covered is if you bought a plan that had something called cancel for any reason. This is something you can add on. Now, it's usually pricey, but it does what it says. It allows you to cancel and get your money back for any reason. Uh, With most travel insurance policies, there are exclusions, such as things like pregnancy, illness of a pet, epidemics, pandemics, mountain climbing, skydiving, psychological disorders, and so much more. So that is why you definitely need to read the fine print. And you can only add this cancel for any reason coverage typically within like 14 to 21 days of booking your trip. So Lacey, you might want to investigate this first. And yes, it is expensive. And it's expensive for a reason because it lets you literally cancel for any reason. So standard trip insurance is somewhere around like 7 to 10% of your trip cost. And cancel for any reason is about 40%. So it's not cheap, but it is really worth it, especially for spending some bucks like the next few months on travel. And you just want to make sure that if you can't travel, you're going to legitimately get your money back. Just my two cents. But again, always read the fine print, shop around, ask questions before you buy the coverage. And don't just click and add something to a shopping cart without being a little bit of a detective first. So thanks, Lacey, for a great and really timely question. If you haven't asked Shauna, what are you waiting for? Head on over to the podcast hub, mmoneypodcast.com, and ask your question right on the homepage, or just head on over to the show notes for this episode and click the link. It's that easy, my friend. What sort of advice would you give to somebody who is in that situation of of how they could figure out how to at least not owe anything? Right. So it's one of those situations where um, you want to really take the time to go back and look at that form and see what you were doing in the past. Now the IRS has, now that they've actually actually revamped their website, the IRS has a brand new website that's really modern and has a tool on there called a withholding calculator that people can go on to type in the income that they're expected to receive throughout the year. They can type in whether they're single, married, um, how they file, and also the amount that's withheld. And that gives them a general idea of what they would expect at the end of the year. And that's not bad. That's that's pretty helpful. So a lot of people who've come to us and and have asked me, okay, well, what should I change my withholding or expect? You know, what should my end of year result be? I say, well, we can check this out. But you know, you can always ask someone who's done withholding tables before, um, and they can go ahead and look at your income, see what you've made year to date, do a projection for the rest of the year, and can determine with somewhat of an accuracy as to what the end of year liability or refund may be. 
Mm, interesting. Yeah, that's good to know. Um, so, so is there anything else in the tax reform that really you see impacting people that we should be aware of? Yeah. Uh, one thing that I'm sure a lot of uh, filers have noticed if they pay real estate taxes or state tax, uh, it's capped at 10000 now. Unfortunately, for homeowners, especially here in California where I am, sometimes real estate taxes are really <laughs> close <more>. to 10000 <laughs> and state income tax on top of that. And so that was really hard to kind of explain to clients and say, you know what? Because of this new reform, now we can only limit our deduction to 10000 of state income taxes. It, that was tough. That was really hard. You've also had the loss of unreimbursed employee expenses, which also hits certain professions pretty hard. Um, so if you had to, for example, travel a lot for work and you had to do continuing education for your profession or for a license that you may have because you're in a certain type of profession, then those deductions were no longer allowed. And that hurt a lot of people. Um, so that those, those two areas I would say were rough, but there were other things that came out of it that I thought were really great. For example, uh, families, uh, you know, married couples with children were able to claim a higher child tax credit. It went from 1000 to 2000 per child. And so that was, that was beneficial. It puts a little bit more of money in the hands of, you know, parents who may have to pay a lot to provide for their kids or, or if they're putting them through school. So that was something that was very, very beneficial. But not only with reform, there have been new changes that happened just recently in December with the SECURE Act that really also paves the way for some things moving forward as well. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Sure. So the SECURE Act was just passed by Congress in December, and there were a few little things that were done to try and incentivize uh, people putting money away into retirement. And one of the things that came out that I thought was really interesting was if a family needs some extra money to pay for um, their children and they're starting a family, well, actually, hold on. Let me let me go back a little bit. Uh, with regards to the Secure Act, one of the new changes that came out was that if a family is about to have a child and they needed to have a little bit of extra cash to pay for hospital expenses or or whatever it may be, they were able to take some money out of a retirement account now and use it towards that without having to pay the ten percent tax penalty. That happens when you pull money out of a of a retirement plan. Wow. So that I think that's very handy in some situations. I've talked with other tax professionals and other CFPs who kind of stand a little bit divided on this topic. But if if a couple needs the money in order to pay for these hospital expenses, you know, for the birth of their child, then this could come in handy. You're you're potentially avoiding a penalty that otherwise would have been there before. So and potentially helps. avoiding, right, maybe you would have put that on like a credit card or something that has a massive interest rate. Yeah. And, and by all means, we want to avoid credit card debt. That's, that's the highest interest rate there is. And it's no fun to be in that dilemma. 
Yes. <laughs> Exclamation point. You talked about uh, tax credits, tax deductions. I want to dive a little bit more into deduc- deductions. But first, I want to talk about like what's the difference between a tax deduction and a tax credit? So a tax deduction basically reduces the amount of taxable income that you make throughout the year. And what that means is, let's say your your gross income on W-2 was $50,000 for the year. If you have a deduction, it reduces the $50,000 by the amount of the deduction, right? So let's say you paid student loan interest of $1,000. Now you're only going to pay tax on $49,000. You know, very broad level example. Sure. Whereas where a credit comes in, Credits are great. You definitely want to get as many credits as possible because it reduces the amount of tax that is assessed on your income dollar for dollar. So let's say you had a child tax credit for $2,000. It reduces the amount of tax assessed on your income by $2,000. So, okay, so we, we sort of understand the landscape between like deductions and tax credits. I know that there are a lot of listeners that are either have a side hustle or they're entrepreneurs and deductions obviously are are a big thing for them uh particularly to reduce the amount of taxable income. Are there any guidelines or I don't want to say rules but anything that you tell clients that are you know fit in this bucket that have a side hustle or that are entrepreneurs ways that they can stay on top of these deductions like throughout the year and ways that they can figure out like what are proper deductions for them. Sure. Yeah. So let's start with the what are the deductions for them. And I get this asked a lot because I work with a lot of self-employed individuals who are looking to either start a business or have something on the side in addition to the regular full-time W-2 position, right? And I've come up with a very just blanket statement where really any expense that you incur in the pursuit of profit for your business can generally be a deduction. There are certain exceptions here and there of how certain expenses may be treated. But really, if you're starting a business or you're doing something on the side and you have to spend, let's say, $10 for software or, or anything that's really in the pursuit of that income can potentially be a tax deduction. Again, so most common deductions when you're looking at self-employed people or self-employed individuals really is going to start with a lot of software because almost this day and age, any business you start has some kind of software involved. Yes. If you have like a professional email address, right? You have to pay Google a certain amount or, or another website provider. That's a deduction there. If you come up with business cards, of course, that's an easy one. For example, with business owners who have to travel to a meeting somewhere, I would really pay attention to that mileage because that is a potential deduction at the end of the year fee, right? Even though it may be your personal car that you use for other purposes, that portion that you use for driving to this meeting or uh, to another location where you're going to conduct business for your self-employment, that is a potential deduction. That's something that we want to write off at the end of the year. So that's another interesting tool. But working with business owners and, and people who are just starting is always my favorite thing to do because I've seen how disastrous can be if someone doesn't speak with a tax professional before they start 
a business. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen some horrible situations, <laughs> but one of the things I always recommend is if you're gonna if you're gonna start a business, if if you're not ready to take the leap of opening a separate business checking account, I always recommend print your monthly bank statement and highlight what you really did incur for a business expense. Ooh, and that's tip. something that is a good, very basic tool and something that will set you up because you'll be in the habit of actually looking at what you're spending. Because when we start a business, sometimes what we're spending is not right at the forefront of our thinking. We're really just looking at, okay, I can have a client. What can I do to bring money in? But there must be all this money coming out to get that client, right? Or, or that yeah. business started. And it will really help you kind of get into the habit of, okay, I'm a business owner. I want to look at what I'm spending versus what may be coming in. That's such a good tip. I, and it's so easy to do. I think, you know, it's it's something that anybody can do. They yeah. don't need a fancy software or they don't need to be an accountant. They just need to grab a few highlighter pens and a bank statement and start categorizing. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, I'm also curious, so... We're, we're in March, and I know some people have filed already. Some people probably haven't filed their taxes yet. Do you have any guidelines for how's the best way that someone could prepare if they haven't filed already to, to get all their stuff together and to know what to get together in order to sit down and be rather either to do it online or to, to meet with a tax professional? Sure. One of the things is at this point, it's basically March already, all of the major tax documents that you would have otherwise received have been either sent to you via mail. So maybe you put them in a drawer somewhere or, or in a filing cabinet that you've told yourself you'll get back to it someday. Or they may be in a online portal, right? If you're an employee, you may have an online portal to go onto your HR site and download the forms they need to get into. If you have a you know, savings account somewhere you might want to check if that in, if that account earns some interest throughout the year. Uh, if you have a brokerage account at this point in the game, brokerage pro brokerage houses have already provided their tax forms online, so you just need to log in and download it. But yeah, it's at this point anything that you should have received should have already been sent to you. So it's somewhere in there. But if you are filing maybe for a year that you haven't filed in the past and you're not sure if you have everything, you can always contact the tax authorities and they'll ask you verification questions, but you can have copies of previous year documents sent to you in case you haven't even filed for previous years. And that's something that not a lot of people know about. So I would definitely it's, make it's sure kind you're of terrorizing. Of that. It's kind of terrorizing to <laughs> call the... Um call the IRS. <laughs> it can be, but that's where someone like me can come in, right? As a tax professional, we can go ahead and call on your behalf and we can have the documents sent to you or we can request them to be sent to us. So that, that way, if someone hasn't filed, let's say 2017, and trust me, it happens. I've seen plenty of people that haven't filed for multiple years. But if, if you're in that situation and, you're, and you want to get caught up, you can always work with someone to have those documents provided. If you don't want to contact the IRS yourselves for the, for yourself for this issue, then someone else can. And you know, a tax an enrolled agent or a CPA has the authority to do so. 
and therefore they can collect the dog and say, okay, let's, let's catch up. You know, just because we didn't file one year doesn't mean that we should get into the habit of not filing every year. And what happens if you say you made a mistake on your filing, like you forgot to include something or I don't know, you just made some sort of error. What do you what do you do in that situation? Like, let's say it's after April 15th and you realize like, oh, my gosh, I made a mistake or I forgot something. What should you do in that situation? Yeah. So this happens. Sometimes we realize uh oh, I left out a form that I forgot that I had that I received. And I, what should I do? You can always file what's called an amendment. An amendment is really just another tax preparation, another return that looks a little bit different from your regular filing. But this amendment just states, okay, this is all the information that was on my original filing. This is the new information. And based on this new information, uh, I should have a bigger refund coming back to me or I have a little bit of a balance that I need to pay back because the refund was too big. And that happens all the time. It's it's not a scary thing. Um, one thing to be mindful of is whenever you do an amendment, they actually have to be mailed in. They can't be electronically filed. And sometimes that's a pain to do because who goes to the post office these days to send stuff to the government? Not a lot of people. <laughs> But yes. it's it's not an impossible thing to do, and it does come up. I've seen uh, some people. Oh, I forgot to include a 1099 from a contracting job that I did. Well, let's go ahead and make sure we get everything prepared correctly. Let's prepare the amendment, and let's just send it off. No harm, no foul. I like it. I like it. Yeah. We have we have talked about so many different things, and I I would love to end with if. Most of us, I can probably say with some certainty listening to you this episode right now, are not as much of a fan of taxes as you are. <laughs> um, I could probably say that with, with some certainty, but I would love for you to leave us with, do you have like a tip or two, or maybe it's just something around like our mindset with taxes? Like how should we think about going through the tax season this year so we can we can remain calm, we can get through it? It's not 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 the end of the world, even if we owe money. Do you have any tips or guidance for us in that realm? Yeah. I mean, it's every year we come into a season where, okay, we have to file a return. We have to look at what we made the previous year. And we go have to go ahead and do a tax return to send off. But a lot of people have this connotation where, oh, I don't want to deal with it because if I have to pay money to the government, then what am I really getting out of the benefit from sending this money to them? Or if I get a refund, it's – well, everyone likes to get a refund. Let's, yes. let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> that's That's great. But it's one of those things that if you have a chance to do your return and maybe it was a good year, you can look back at your previous year and compare the two and say, you know what, I, things actually improved for me this year. And it's a kind of a moment where you can kind of reflect and say, all these things happened in my financial life the last year, and this is a result of it. If I owe a little bit, well, that just means maybe you made a little bit more of income, and that's nothing to be feeling bad about, right? Everyone likes to earn a little bit more. Even with all the knowledge I have about taxes, I still love to hear from someone who does this every day and has a passion for taxes like Milton does because 
I will be the first person to stand up and say, I do not have a passion about taxes. But thank God we have people like Milton who does, who can help us figure this all out. So if you want to connect with Milton, you can send him an email at Milton at PacificPureTax.com or head over to his website, PacificPureTax.com. And he would absolutely love to chat with you. Tell him that you heard from him on this podcast. So just a reminder, on this podcast, we are definitely changing the language around money to help you unlock the life you want to live. Now that you're part of this movement, it's really up to all of us to invite others into this journey. So share this episode with a friend, a family member, someone that really needs to help demystify taxes. Tell them why they should be listening to the podcast and just invite them in so we can all talk about money in a new, fresh, and fun way. Thanks for checking out this episode of Millennial Money. For all the BTS on today's episode, check out the show notes. Oh, and while you're at it, share this episode with a friend, share it with your coworkers, even share it with that cute barista who gets your name correct every time. Money mindfulness is something we could all use a little help with. So why keep all this knowledge to yourself? Remember, sharing is caring. See you back here in a few days with a fresh new episode.